Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag. Reggie, thank you so much for that fantastic introduction. We love being live here on Radio Gag. <laughs> yes, we do. My name is Paul Rowley. I'm one of your co-hosts this evening. And my name is Brendan Wright, and I'll be your other co-host this evening. Welcome, Brendan. First time on air. Yeah, first time. Well, on Radio Gag, anyway. I don't know where you've been right, before exactly. tonight. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome, everybody, to this week's show. Radio Gag is the weekly update on how we are working to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. Um, this week, we hear uh, from Brendan about the nationwide recess rallies that uh, were demanding that the government reconvene for emergency sessions on gun control. We have a special report from our Provincetown gag chapter. And first, we're going to kick things off with the latest in gun violence prevention news. Uh, three young men were arrested this weekend, all having threatened to carry out domestic terror mass shootings all having stockpiles of ammunition and weapons in their homes. Police in Volusia County, Florida, confiscated 400 rounds of ammunition and arrested a 25-year-old man after his ex-girlfriend alerted them to texts he sent threatening to carry out a mass shooting. A tip from the public also led to an arrest in Ohio. Police said a 20-year-old man threatened to carry out a shooting at a local Jewish community centre. While in Connecticut, a 22-year-old man was arrested after raging about planning a mass shooting on Facebook. Further to a search of his home, he was charged with illegal possession of large-capacity magazines. A recent FBI study shows that over 85% of potential shooters brag online about their plans in advance, but yet only half of the people who see such posts contact law enforcement. Here in New York State, Governor Cuomo has advanced the New York State Hate Crimes Domestic Terrorism Act. Under this proposal, mass shootings motivated by hate you know, based on people's uh, actual or perceived race, colour, ancestry, gender identity or expression, sexual orientation, would be punishable by up to life in prison without parole. Governor Cuomo stated, white supremacists, anti-Semites, anti-LGBTQ folks, white nationalists, these are Americans committing mass hate crimes against other Americans, and it should be recognised for what it is, domestic terrorism. New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson said, our terrorism statutes should not feed into the false notion that foreign terrorists are the only threat to our nation. Our diversity is our strength. U.S. Representative Hakeem Jeffries said, We now must act at the federal level to ban weapons of war. They have no place around our families or in our communities. Pressure from New York gun violence prevention groups has led to the state passing some of the country's strongest gun safety laws, including the 2013 SAFE Act, which keeps guns out of the hands of convicted felons and inv individuals suffering from mental illness, ensures private gun sales are subject to background checks, and bans high-capacity magazines and assault weapons. Governor Cuomo also recently enacted the Red Flag Bill to prevent individuals who pose a risk to themselves or others from purchasing a firearm, a law many gun violence prevention advocates believe would have prevented massacres such as Parkland, where it was evident to many that the shooter posed a serious threat. But despite the recent upsurge in racially motivated attacks, the GOP refused to acknowledge how racist rhetoric, much of it coming from our current sitting president, continues to incite young white men to carry out acts of domestic terror. 
A leaked memo from House Republicans picked up this week by the Tampa Bay Times shows that the GOP is urging its politicians to blame recent mass shootings on the left, deliberately downplaying the role of white supremacy. However, online manifestos published by these shooters in advance of their crimes consistently use racist, extreme right-wing white nationalist theories as justification for their acts. Extremist-related murders have spiked in the last year, according to the Anti-Defamation League, and the vast majority, over 75%, are committed by right-wing extremists and white supremacists. Not a single extremist-related murder in the United States last year was carried out by the left. And some good news. Sources (laughs) close to the National Rifle Association are reporting that the organisation continues to be in turmoil. Unable to act practically against renewed calls for gun control in the wake of the El Paso and Dayton mass shootings. This past year, the NRA has battled many scandals, including lavish spending irregularities by Executive Vice President Wayne LaPierre. LaPierre opposes an assault weapons ban and background checks, claiming the constitutional right to keep and bear arms is not bestowed by man, but granted by God to all Americans. Perhaps God also grants to him his salary, which is in excess of five million per <laughs> annum. Other failures of the NRA include a massive financial management crisis, a rash of board member resignations, an attempted coup at the group's annual conference. It lost their president, Oliver North, and top lobbyist Chris Cox, and Ackerman McQueen, the NRA's ad agency for nearly four decades, dumped them, while the NRA TV has been discontinued. And interestingly, uh, the NRA now has a net negative rating for the first time, according to a poll of, wait for it, Fox News viewers. <laughs> Only 42% of Fox News viewers polled view the NRA favourably, confer- compared with 49% in 2018. Uh, 47% viewing the group unfavourably. Even though who su- those who support the NRA are concerned, one member who contacted the NRA asking about its plan of attack on possible gun safety legislation said... What we got back was gobbledygook. I'm worried. NRA, you have been chopped. <laughs> Just some light drama there. You know, nothing <laughs> so, too serious. <laughs> exactly, right. Well, I am glad to hear it because they are a nefarious and horrible... Absolutely. ...self-called charity. Um, at this point in the show, uh, we are going to do what we call our In Memoriam. Um, we do an In Memoriam every show um, which pays tribute to somebody we've recently lost to gun violence and it reminds us why we do this show and we do this work Cincinnati, Ohio Nico Larkin was shot and killed this weekend while riding a city bus home from work he was 21 years old the Cincinnati Metro bus was seemingly caught in the middle of a gunfight Saturday evening in the North Avondale area there is no indication the bus or the victim were the intended target. The driver of the bus acted quickly and drove his passengers away from the gunfire. He took the bus directly to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. But for Nico, it was too late. His brother said, not one person can give you a bad report on Nico because he was truly an angel. He says the family is having trouble understanding the shooting, that it was just a freak accident. Nico left behind a three-year-old daughter, Serenity. Just last week, he posted a picture of her as a baby online with the comment saying, she was so little. Nico had also recently become the proud father of a baby boy. On Nico's Facebook page, Serenity's mother wrote, I keep calling, 
and you're not picking up. You can't be gone. You just can't. God, Nico, if I can just hear your voice one more time, I couldn't even get a goodbye. I never once in a million years thought I'd have to say this. R.I.P. Nico. Just insane to think that in this country you can't even get the bus home from work. Right. Without getting shot. Yeah. I can't even imagine, you know. That poor kid, 21 years old. Which, you know, like I say, the in memoriam is always... um, reminds us why it's so important for us all to come out against gun violence and and to work for greater gun safety laws in this country. So this weekend, of course, you were you were super active in that regard. So yeah, do you want to definitely. tell us a wee bit about what was going on? Yeah, absolutely. So this past weekend, you may have heard going on across the country, Moms Demand Action, one of the gun violence prevention groups that's very active, um, you know, across the country. Uh, they actually held events that were going on in all 50 states to cover the United States, essentially coast to coast and Mm -hmm. everywhere in between to make sure that we're reaching our legislators wherever they are and everywhere that they are. And these events were called recess rallies. Okay. Of course, because of the recess going on right now, so our legislators are not in office on the federal level. So bringing attention to that fact and just demanding that some type of action be taken specifically around gun control and really proactively working to end gun violence. Um, Gays Against Guns was present in two different rallies. So we had a great contingent here, local in New York, Mm -hmm. that was present in Foley Square. And myself, I went up to New Haven, Connecticut to be present at one of their additional rallies as well. Uh, Really, the purpose behind these rallies as well, there were a couple of main tenants that Moms Demand Action was focused on bringing to attention and bringing to the forefront of their events, which included the daily impact of gun violence that often goes overlooked in the media, being essentially that about 100 people are actually killed each day as a result of gun violence, and of course many others are injured as a result of that, again, every single day in our country. Yeah. Uh, They were also raising awareness for background checks, and then also the importance of red flag laws. And red flag laws essentially allow people to seek court orders to block someone in a crisis from obtaining access to guns. One specific example of this, of a red flag law, would be also found in California. So this Mm -hmm. is just, again, one specific example, where California has a red flag law making it legal for family members to ask the court to secure firearms from relatives they suspect of being a potential threat to public safety. So really, again, they're really trying to proactively bring attention to public safety, to putting in common sense barriers to make sure that we're safe in our everyday lives so you don't have to worry about going to the bus, going to the store, any of those really daily things that we do that now, unfortunately, we have to worry about being shot at. Exactly, yeah. Well, we have a, um, you know, you gave a wonderful speech up there and we have an excerpt Mm -hmm. of that for the listeners. Um, Stand by for that, folks. Great. Advocacy surrounding combating gun violence as a way to further support and raise awareness for the ways in which the intersections of identity and marginalized communities can find themselves at even greater risk of becoming victims of gun violence as a result of the gun culture our country has allowed to flourish. I think about Dana Martin, Jasmine Ware, Ashanti Carmen, Claire Legato, Malaysia Booker, Michelle Tamika Washington, Paris Cameron, Chanel Surlock, 
Denali Berries Stuckey, Kiki Fanchoy, and Jordan Coffer. All of these names are those belonging to trans people. Nearly all black transgender women the media has reported as being killed as a result of gun violence this year alone. When we truly commit ourselves to looking at the everyday impact of gun violence, we cannot forget that we are also fighting for those often marginalized in our society. Thanks for that, Brendan. I, I should course. tell our listeners as well that not only did you go up there to give that speech, but she also did it in six-inch glittery ruby slippers. <laughs> yes, I did. And of course, the moms and all the organizers were loving that as well. And were very impressed by my navigation of the steps of the courthouse where the event was happening in the summer heat, Yeah, well, in those heels. And You know, this, I got to say, this is what I love about Gays Against Guns is that we're, you know, we're not only fighting for better gun safety laws, but we're also fighting homophobia and transphobia at the same time, just in our everyday lives, you know. And doing so in style, too. In style, well, that's it. As it should be done. But, you know, it's the point that you make there is so important, and it's one that we come back to again and again, Mm -hmm. is that marginalised communities are the ones who are at most risk from gun violence, and yet people that we hear very little about. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. I read recently that one estimate is that the average life expectancy of an African-American trans woman is 33 in this country, Mm -hmm. which is like below where you would expect, the length that you would expect to live if you were living in a famine-ravished country war zone. You know, insane. Totally. Insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that was something that was a takeaway for me for the event too, I think. Of course, it was an honor to be able to speak in the lineup of speakers that they had in New Haven, which included Senator Blumenthal, as well as the mayor of New Haven, Tony Harp. And also just being able to speak as well with uh, other representatives from Moms Demand Action. After I was able to give my speech and the event was concluding, many of their members who helped organize the event came over and thanked me for specifically highlighting the impact on these marginalized communities. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that. Of course. We are going to um, go to our next section now. Um, We have, um, yeah, let's go for it. All right, folks, and I believe we have some Gays Against Guns folks up in Provincetown on the phone right now. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hi, everyone. How many of y'all are up there? That is crazy. That sounds like quite a gang. (laughs) It's a gaggle. It's a whole gaggle of gaggers. So we're up here in P-Town. We'll just go around real quickly. I'm Mary Ellen. Uh, Kathy Marino Thomas. Bridget McKinn. J.W. Walker. Debbie Cirillo. And Joshua Chaden. And we're here in P-Town enjoying uh, the beautiful uh, vacation and recess, just like Congress, but oops, <laughs> we're actually doing work. Of yeah. course. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. Gagging never stops. Never. Never, ever. Never right. Yeah, so... so we wh- met some P-Town gaggers, and we've been having a good time getting to know them. Great. We're getting ready to uh, march in the carnival parade here in P-Town on Thursday, where we'll remind everyone that gun violence is an epidemic in this country. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier today, we went to the Herring Cove Beach where we had one of our members uh, dressed as a human being, uh, representing one of the bouncers from the Pulse nightclub, Kim Reynolds. So we were holding space for Kim uh, and honoring her legacy by going to the beach and sharing the ocean with her today. Yeah, I and saw that picture online. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. stimulated a lot of conversation, it you sure know, did. and people saying, what is happening? Just what is going on? Yeah, yeah. What can we do? So one of the things, Paul, that's been amazing is during the interviews that we've had with people, and we're going to play a couple in a few minutes, but it's just that uh, having these engaged conversations with people, not only in this particular community, but just throughout, is not having to really explain too much what the letters GBP means or what mm-hmm. people, what your perspective is on gun violence, people immediately know and in have and have informed opinions. Wow. And I think that's fantastic to show as far as how engaged people have become. Yeah. I yeah. think in the last few years since even GAG has been around, the baseline of information around gun violence in America has been, has like risen so high. So many more people understand so much of what goes into the epidemic in the country mm-hmm. and have their own ways that they think it can be um, solved or, you know. That's improved. great to hear, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and everyone loves our spray-painted T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big hit at Sea dance yesterday. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, we met, and we met a former, well, actually still member at heart, biking down Commerce Street, Trevor, who said, oh, my God, there's Gays Against Guns. And then he said, oh, there's my gaze against guns. Oh, that's great. We had a nice reunion, and he's opened a little business here. So, you know, we, we've, we've met many fellow gaggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's great to hear. So if any of our listeners are coming to visit Provincetown, let's make sure they go to the Provincetown Brewery and say hello to Trevor. That's right. little plug for him right there. <laughs> great. So you guys have put together a, a, a piece for us, right? You've got some interviews with... Uh, with folks that you met, uh, yes, okay, we, okay. Well, we're yes, gonna so we're we gonna roll on that. And thanks so much okay. for calling in, folks. Have a great carnival and um, lots you. of love bye. from Brooklyn. Bye. Yeah, bye bye. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Bye. Bye, Brandon. So I think I've, I think we have ludicrous gun laws here okay. in this country. Um, background checks are certainly a, a reasonable thing to ask, um, and a bare minimum, as far as I'm concerned. We're awash with the things, and uh, you know, in my mind, as as a hunter, I own guns. As a hunter, um, I, I do not understand why someone would need 40, 50, 80 guns. So you said at a bare minimum, uh, as far as background checks, what would be the the uh, like a big ask? Well, I, I you know I, I'm not sure that we can ever get away with a big ask, but I think that you could certainly require that um, military hardware not be distributed to people, um, to non-military personnel. Right, right. And, um, you know, so I, you know, that, that's a, uh, something that I think is, would be very reasonable. And uh, um, altering uh, guns so that they become more uh, military grade is also something that I think could be uh, legislated against. Certainly the House can do something. I doubt that the Senate will do a thing. And, um, but it's important, I think, to, for the House to take action. So I grew up in Idaho um, in a state where guns and everything, I went to school with a shotgun in the back of my pickup after school. 
So for me, it was common day. Um, but now living in today's world, and look, you know, you see it every day. To me, anyone that has a gun needs to be known. We need to know where those guns are, who has those guns. And it shouldn't just be being exchanged back and forth, you know. Even growing up with guns, to me, I can see how they could easily put in the wrong hands. So what are you personally doing to uh, bring to light or to combat gun violence? I mean, I think in our daily lives, we, we talk about it. We're living it. You know, we are supporting things like, you know, shirts and all those kind of things. But I think it's speaking out, you know. And, you know, I my family still lives in Idaho. And my dad, you know, when he... Uh, when, when Donald Trump got elected, he told me that he voted for Donald Trump because of the, he didn't want to lose his Second Amendment rights. And I have told him over and over, I said, that is not the case. We, we as whoever, do not want to take those weapons right away. We just want to make sure they're in the right hands with the right people. So, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Well, thanks, Kathy, Mary Ellen, Bridget, and all the gaggers up there in, in P-Town for that report. That if you ever wondered what it what feels like or sounds like to talk about gun violence prevention in a gay tea dance, well, now you know, folks. Yeah, now you know. <laughs> it's like house music and gun safety discussions. Yeah, and some sensible, serious conversations. <laughs> right, always, right? But it's, it is, it's really encouraging to hear that folks are really now, you know, in people's minds. I mean, how can it not mm-hmm. be, right, with this epidemic yeah. that we're surrounded by? But that it really is, you know, an issue for folks, and it's mm-hmm. going to be an issue in the ballot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was really telling when our gaggers in P10 were on the phone and were saying how now it just feels as though everyone recognizes what GVP stands for and really does have an opinion and is re- ready to talk about gun violence and their stance on gun laws, gun ownership, and all of that just because of the way in which the climate has evolved and how, especially in the last couple of years, it's just such a prevalent everyday thing that you yeah. really have to think about in America. Yeah, yeah. I suppose a lot of it as well is is, is um, people are, of course, getting more active these days because, you know, because we're living under a fascist regime. Exactly. <laughs> you know, speaking of which, uh, Josh just texted me from Provincetown to say that you know, despite all the um, joyous collapsing of the NRA, you know, they still are a huge force to be reckoned with. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, here's a tweet that Josh just texted me um, from uh, Ms. Wayne Lapierre. I spoke to the president today. We discussed the best ways to prevent these types of tragedies. Um, the president is a strong Second Amendment supporter, supports our right to keep and bear arms. You know, I thought it was God that gave him that right. I don't know why they need, <laughs> you know, lying Donald Trump to help him with God's right, work. But anyway, completely. Anyway, yeah, but you know, they spent thirty million dollars on Trump's election campaign, so no wonder. Right after El Paso, right, he's like, "Oh yeah, we need we need stronger background checks." Next thing you know, the Republicans are sending out these memos telling people to not talk about you know talk about mental illness, yep. not talk about white supremacy, and video games, and video games. Yeah, right. Wait, they have the same video games in Canada. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, let's see how much money they're going to cough up for his election campaign this mm-hmm. year. I think probably a lot less than the 30 million they spent last time. Um, so just a, a couple of little things for the listeners. You know, um, you know you're listening to WBAI, Listeners Sported Radio, and we are Gays Against Guns. Um, if you want to find out more about our work, you can find us online, gaysagainstguns.net, on Facebook, on Instagram, on mm-hmm. Twitter, Gag No Guns. We have chapters across the country. Please just reach out if you want to know more. Um, 
Another great way of getting involved with our work is by becoming a WBAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Chip in a few bucks every week and help keep us live on air every Tuesday. Uh, you can do that through uh, through the WBAI website also. All the info is super easy to find. Um, the next Gays Against Guns meeting is a week from Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's at the LGBTQ Center. Yep, so that'll be on August 29th. And um, you'll get to see Brendan in his red heels. Yeah, perhaps. maybe. You never know what I might show up in. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know with Gays Against Guns. So um, we're going to round things out. Uh, thank you so much to Reggie, as always, for being our engineer supremo. Um, we're going to wrap up with our hell yes. Um, first of all, I want to do a hell yeah to all the organizers of this weekend's recess rallies. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. Next, we'd like to give out a big hell yeah to all of our national gag chapters from Orlando to P-Town and beyond. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. And hell yeah to you, Brendan. Fierce Queen for joining us in studio today for the first time and giving that powerful speech in those heels. Hell yeah. (laughs) Thank you. It was my pleasure. (laughs) And so thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. We're back next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 6.30. You can listen to any of our previous shows on the BAI website or on any major podcast platforms. And we leave you, as always, with our fabulous political singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. Take it away. <laughs> well, I think it would be nice if we could break your lobby. Cause no, not every lobby knows how to lobby like you. No. And you never think twice before you take our dreams away. Well, we say... And all the cash you blew Oh yeah, you bought a Congress For 20 million And then the White House 30 million more Well, you can spend your heart out A billion zillion We don't care about your money We are showing you the door Cause we gotta have faith We gotta have faith Oh yeah, we gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. We gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. Baby, we won't go back to yesterday. So please, 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 sashay away. You were giving us the blues. Baby, we're gonna break the money chain. Then we won't have to feel the pain of another day loaded down with a lot of bad news. Just watch this river become an ocean. Listen, do you hear that mighty roar? Yeah, baby, we'll keep resisting your evil notions. We have had it up to here and we are showing not one more. Cause you gotta have faith. We gotta have faith. Oh yeah, we gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. We gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. Ah.